hey there. This is Bible Thump, and I am Radio Matt. Drew Dixon is taking a break uh, for a few weeks, so I'm covering this Sunday, and uh, our buddy Hector Mirai will be covering the last two Sundays of the year before Drew returns in January. Today, I wanted to talk to you about thankfulness. Uh, In Psalm 48, starting in verse 12, the psalm writer starts the psalm talking about how kings gathered together to attack Jerusalem, but God intervened, and God saved and protected his people. And then it says this in verse 12, it says, go around Zion, encircle it, count its towers, note its ramparts, tour its citadels, so that you can tell a future generation, this God, our God forever and ever, he will always lead us. Notice it starts, walk around Zion, go around her, count her towers. This is a picture of someone who's just been through a battle with the enemy that has come against them, and it looked really bad, and they're still standing. God has protected them and brought them through it. And so you walk around and you kind of take an inventory and count the towers and say, hey, they're all still here. Even after this huge battle, God, you were with me, and it looked like I was going down. It looked like the end. It looked like I was finished. It looked like there was no way out, but you were here with me and brought me through it. How many of you have a story like that in your life where you were going through some deep stuff, and it looked bad? It looked like you were at the end of your rope, and you wouldn't even be here today. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you wouldn't be here today. Are there any grateful people listening who can count some blessings in your life and you're grateful that God brought you through it? Let me tell you, I'm grateful for all God has done for me and my family, all that he's done for us, the miracles, the difficulties, the times of blessing and the hard times. I'm grateful for all of it. And like the scripture says, I want to tell it to the next generation because God was with us every step of the way. So we're going to talk about gratitude and thankfulness today. I'm going to start with a few scriptures just as a foundation for what comes next. Psalm 69, 30 and 31 says, I will praise God's name with song and exalt him with thanksgiving. That will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with horns and hooves. So what pleases God more? When we praise God and glorify him by giving thanks. Gratitude is important to God, so it needs to be important to us. God says it's more important to me that you're thankful, that in your heart you're appreciative of who I am and what I've done. That's more important to me than oxen or bulls or sacrifices. It's more important to me than acting religious or doing your religious duty. It says this will please God more. God's attracted to grateful people. God will show up in the situation of people who are grateful and praise God in the middle of that situation, even when the situation looks dark and dysfunctional. When you praise and thank God in the middle of your problem, before you see any kind of answer, that's a step of faith. That's a, that's a step that will bring God's power into your situation. The Bible says in Psalms 22, 3, that God inhabits the praises of his people, or in another translation, it says he's enthroned on the praises of his people. In other words, there's a sense in which our praise attracts God and brings God's power into our situation. In fact, let's look at a story in the Bible where that happened. In Acts chapter 16, it tells how one time Paul and Silas were severely beaten and then thrown into prison with their feet and hands chained into stocks. It was a horrible, painful situation. So what did they do? They started singing praises to God. 
In Acts 16, 26 and 27, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. They were praising God despite their painful situation, and what happened? The prison doors opened. The chains fell off. Are you in a painful situation somewhere in your life? Do you need some chains to fall off? A place to start is by showing your gratitude to God in the middle of that painful situation. Praising him, thanking him, so he will be attracted to bring his power into your situation. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. God has a protocol for how he wants to be approached. He says, when you come into my presence, the first thing I want to hear is thank you. You come through the gates with thanksgiving and then into the courts with praise. So he says, you can ask me for anything, but first, thank me and praise me for everything. God says, when you come into my presence before you say please, say thank you. So when you start praying, God, I need a breakthrough. God, I need a miracle. God, I need some wisdom or some guidance. Before you come to God with that, you first thank him. Uh, thank you for the miracles you've already done in my life. Thank you for the finances you've already given me. Thank you for the wisdom you've already given me. It's just a little, but it's more than I used to have. So thank you, God. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will. You're praying, God, I just want to know your will. Should I buy that house, take that job, look for a new job, date that person, move to a new city? God, I just want to know your will. And though we might not know God's will about those things, I do know God's will about one thing. He wants us to be thankful, be grateful to God, appreciate him, and praise his name. So what do we know about gratitude? <clears throat> Years ago, I was listening to a conference and a guy started talking about thankfulness, and he made a couple of points I've never forgotten, so I want to share those with you today. I'm going to share with you two things that thankfulness cannot do and two things thankfulness can do. Here's number one. Thankfulness cannot be silent. Luke 6.45 says, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For a person's mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So when your heart is grateful, it'll overflow to your mouth. When you're grateful, you'll say it and you'll show it. When you're grateful to God, you'll tell him and you'll show him. You won't just assume that he knows. And when you're grateful to God for others, you'll tell them and you'll show them. People say things like, well, I'm, I'm grateful in my heart, but I'm just not very good at saying it. Well, hold on a second. If you're grateful in your heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're not speaking it, then your heart really isn't grateful. Well, I'm grateful in my heart, but I'm just not very good at showing it. But you know my heart. I don't know your heart. I'm not a cardiologist. I don't know your heart unless you say it and show it. From the overflow of your heart, the mouth has to speak. If you're really grateful, it will show up in your life through your words and your actions. Did you ever watch Oprah on TV when you were younger? Do you remember those Oprah's favorite things episodes where they would give away a bunch of stuff and people in the audience would just get so excited and overwhelmed because they'd be taking home so many big, expensive gifts. Sometimes uh, one episode, they gave away a car to every single person in the audience. 
just jumping up and down, hugging, screaming, crying. It was just an overwhelming abundance of joy. They were thankful. And you could tell because you could see it and you could hear it. Now, if they could be thankful for simply getting some stuff that would one day wear out and end up in a trash pile, then I know that we ought to be able to give God the same kind of praise for sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to set us free forever from our sin and guilt, giving us eternal life. Are you thankful? Is there anybody listening who's not just grateful in your heart, but you're willing to show it with your life? You're willing to shout it with your mouth, God, I'm grateful, so thankful. I wouldn't be here without you. I'm nothing apart from you. Blood shed for me, mercy, grace, washing me white as snow, provision, fear, opportunity, loving someone like me. Thankfulness cannot be silent. If you're thankful, you'll say it and you'll show it. I know that you have to be real. I know you can't walk around all the time saying, praise the Lord about everything, or you'll sound phony. But I'm telling you, most of us are in no danger of being too grateful to God. That's not what we're struggling with. Thankfulness cannot be silent. The second thing I want you to know is that thankfulness can sustain your blessings in your life and in my life, in our church, in your family, in your business. A lot of people get blessing but don't know how to keep a blessing because they don't know how to be grateful. You ever watched a really good rock band's lead guitarist play? And you watch the lead guitarist on a solo, you usually notice what they're doing with their hands. But if you watch really close, you'll notice they're also using their feet. They have these things called pedal boards that they're constantly pushing buttons on with their feet. And though we only really notice the hands, what they do with their feet affects the sound just as much. The pedal board can sustain the notes. It can add distortion or reverberation, or it can give the guitar a hundred different sounds. Well, what that pedal board is to the sound of the guitar thankfulness is to the blessing of God in your life. A lot of the time we're saying, I'd be happier if my problems would just go away. I could be full of joy, but first my situation needs to get better. That's what we think, but that's not really the secret to more joy in your life. The secret to greater joy is you need to learn to work the notes that God's already playing in your life. You need to learn to sustain the blessing that he's already given you. You need to do this through gratitude, thankfulness, Do you remember a time in your life when you relived an offense over and over? Like somebody hurt you and you replayed that in your mind like a hundred times through bitterness. Sometimes you did this for years. There's a perverted power that enables you to relive an offense over and over again because of bitterness and unforgiveness. But if you're a follower of Christ and the Holy Spirit's in you, then by the perfect power of the Holy Spirit, you can relive the blessings of God over and over again. You can sustain the blessing of God so that even when your situation starts to go bad, or even when somebody hurts you today, you can flash back to the times in your life when you remember God was faithful, and he worked it out, and he blessed you, and you can rejoice again in the faithfulness towards you that he has. Am I doing that? You start to sustain the blessings in your life. And you remind yourself that you didn't know how much God was working behind the scenes back then. And he's certainly working in your life behind the scenes now and will bring you through whatever you're dealing with today. Thankfulness can sustain your blessings. The third thing I want you to know is that thankfulness cannot coexist with entitlement. You cannot be grateful for something that you feel entitled to. 
That's why people don't write thank you notes to the IRS when they get a tax refund. I'm not going to thank the IRS. That's my money. I'm entitled to that money. You owe it to me. If you start feeling entitled to something, then your gratitude, your gratefulness just immediately ends. It's gone. It disappeared the moment you feel entitled. When I was offered positions in the church to uh, you know, bring messages every now and then or to lead the Celebrate Recovery program, I had a bunch of feelings. I felt completely inadequate unworthy of that responsibility. I felt unworthy because I know that there are other people in my church and my community who are probably a lot more holy than me and sin a lot less than me. I felt kind of overwhelmed too because I'm working three part-time jobs, had two young kids at home that I was with during the day, and now I have to lead a service. I also felt honored though that God and the people of my church would allow me to bring a message, to lead a ministry. I felt honored because it was like, I can't believe I get to do this. It's so awesome that God has allowed me to be a leader in this church of his. So I had a lot of feelings that first time around. But one thing I did not feel and still don't is entitled. As a result, I also felt very grateful. You cannot be grateful for something that you feel entitled to. But the problem is that entitlement feeling does try to sneak in over time. When you first become a Christian, you felt that forgiveness and grace of God. You realized what Christ had done for you on the cross, this huge price that he paid. And so you could become a part of his family. You felt so grateful, so blessed. But what happens? Over time, you start to take it for granted. You start to feel entitled. Sure, Jesus died for my sins, gave me eternal life, but I don't feel very grateful because, well, what has he done for me lately? I prayed for a raise at work and I haven't gotten one. I prayed for a spouse and I haven't gotten one. I prayed that you'd take this temptation away, but I'm still being tempted. So what's going on, God? Are you asleep on the job? You start to feel entitled. And so your gratefulness goes out the window. And this happens in ministry all the time. Like I said, I've been a leader in Celebrate Recovery now for nine years And I have to admit that there have been times that I was tempted to feel entitled and not as grateful. God, don't you know that I give up every Thursday to do this? God, those other CRs have so many more volunteers. And and why is our CR always struggling for funding? And, And why don't we have more attendees, God? Why do those people criticize me? Don't they know that I've invested my life in this? I've sacrificed a lot on and on and on. Unfortunately, when those feelings start to creep in, it's not long before I catch myself and remind myself that the only thing I'm really entitled to is hell. And every, uh, everything else, everything good that I have is a gift from God. It's by his grace and mercy. So I will not take it for granted. I will not forget his blessings. I will not forget that it's an honor just to serve him. Because over time, entitlement wants to creep in and grab hold of us. And we start to take for granted the blessings of God. And if you let that happen, it'll kill your gratitude. It'll kill your joy. I love working in ministry as media director at my church, as the CR ministry leader, as the Love Thy Nerd radio manager. I wouldn't want to do anything else with my life. If I won the lottery, I'd give it all away and keep right on doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't care and I wouldn't change because it's a privilege for me to get to do what I'm doing. In fact, I never plan to retire from ministry. I want to keep serving God and I want to keep telling others about God my whole life. 
And there will come a time when I get too old to do what I'm doing now, when technology finally outpaces me, when the next generation should take over. But I don't care if I have to shout it from the sidewalk. I will find somebody to talk to. I don't care if there's only three people listening. I want to keep sharing about God until I can't talk anymore because I'm grateful for what God has done for me. Just to be used by God is a blessing. Just to be touched by God is an honor. It's an honor to be allowed to serve him. Even the privilege of knowing him is a huge blessing. How in the world can we ever start to think that we're entitled to any of that? We're not entitled to any of it, but we are hugely blessed by God, and we ought to be extremely grateful. Now, the unfortunate truth is some people who come to church do feel entitled. Simply because they show up, they feel entitled to have their kids in a great children's ministry or to uh, a variety of classes, groups, and ministry opportunities, feel entitled to great worship every Sunday, and that pastor better not have an off week. And since they feel entitled, they feel no obligation to do ministry themselves. I'm a busy person. I don't have the time or the energy. Somebody else can teach the kids or lead the group or make the coffee or pass out the flyers. Let me tell you, if you have that sense of entitlement in your life, it will ultimately destroy your joy in life. And if you don't have a lot of joy in your life, maybe that's the reason. Thankfulness sustains joy and blessings. Entitlement kills it. You don't got to do ministry. You get to do it. If you want to live a life full of joy. Maybe God wants to break that off of some of you listening today. This entitlement mentality. When it comes to things in his church, when it comes to ways that you minister to other people. God wants you to have more joy in your life. He wants you to be able to show gratitude, but it's not going to happen until you realize that every blessing you have comes directly from him. If he stops for a moment, then you stop breathing. Our whole life should be an effort to show him our love and thanks because there is nothing more precious to him than your gratitude and praise. You see, gratitude is not based on how good your situation is. It's based on how good our God is. Maybe you think your situation stinks right now. There's a million people in Haiti that if they had the privilege of trading places with you, they'd be jumping up and down like those people on Oprah. The Bible says that God determines the places and the times, and he could just as easily cause you or me to be born in the slums of a third world country, but instead he gave you the great blessing of living where you are. You ought to be grateful for that. And show him your gratitude every day. One more point of thankfulness. Thankfulness can find a blessing anywhere. Have you ever known a truly thankful person? That was so uplifting and encouraging, always smiling, always a kind word. Seems like everywhere they go, people feel blessed. And then there's some people where it's the opposite, where wherever they go, people feel blessed when they leave. Thankfulness can find a blessing anywhere. It seems like wherever they go, people feel blessed. Some of you are Bible scholars, so maybe you can tell me who said this in the New Testament. said, if you let me live, I'm going to tell more people about Christ. If you torture me, I'm going to get more reward from Christ. If you kill me, I get to go be with Christ. So it doesn't really matter to me. Bring it on, because it's all Christ. Who said that? It's the Apostle Paul. 
Paul was grateful to God, even though he wrote that from a prison cell with chains on his feet. Thankfulness can find a blessing anywhere. Now, the opposite is also true. Negativity can find a burden anywhere. You pray and pray and pray to get a certain job, and finally God gives you the job, and then what happens? Two weeks later, you're complaining about the job God gave you. My boss never says hello to me. He seems like he's always in a bad mood, and the people I work with are jerks, and I just don't know what their problem is. Turning a blessing of God into a burden. Some of you prayed and prayed for God to bring you along a husband or a wife, and now you're married, and all you do is complain about your spouse. Negativity can find a burden anywhere. We need to be full of gratitude for the blessings God has put in our life and never lose our gratitude. It's like instant replay in sports. I don't know about you, but I love that they have instant replay in football, mainly because I'm not a sports guy and I never seem to know where to look. Uh, So close plays can get challenged. In football, there's two ways it's used. Of course, the coaches can challenge a play, but even if they don't challenge, all the big plays are covered. Any time during a scoring play or a turnover or after the two-minute warning of each half and in overtime, reviews are constantly being made by the replay assistant who sits up in the press box upstairs and monitors the broadcast of the game. If he determines that a play needs review, it happens automatically without the need for a challenge. Now, when a play gets reviewed and the officials have made the decision, they'll come out and say, upon further review, the ruling on the field stands, which means the official got it right. Or sometimes I'll come out and say, upon further review, the ruling in the field is overturned. But of course, if you're sitting in the stands or watching uh, that scoring play from home, you can't really see the play up close. It happens so quick, and you're not really sure if the guy stepped out of bounds or not. You're not sure if the ball really touched the ground when he caught it. And even if you could see it, you don't have the authority to make any changes. But that replay official upstairs in the press box does have some authority. The official upstairs got his authority to say, The call on the field may have looked one way, but the call upstairs is what it is, and what it is is different than what it looked like. Now, here's the point. There's some calls on the field in your life right now, and it doesn't look good, and you feel like there's reason to complain, there's reason to be discouraged and depressed. You don't have what it takes. You don't have what you need. That's the ruling on the field. But we have an official upstairs, and we can send our situation upstairs, and we can get it reviewed further. And upon further review, you don't have to walk in depression. Upon further review, you have everything God needs you to have in order to do everything he's called you to do. Upon further review, your marriage is not dead. Your life is not over. You're not too old to make a difference. You're not too young to make a difference. Upon further review, there is hope where there seemed like no hope. Upon further review, the situation looks way different than it did before. Are you grateful? And do you say, I want to see my situation the way God sees my situation? Tell him, God, I love you. God, I thank you. God, I'm so grateful to you. God, you are amazing and awesome. I may be weak, but you are strong in me and through me. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you and I praise you. I am so grateful to you. Thank you for letting me bring a message today. Like I said, Drew Dixon will be back in January. Hector Mirai will be bringing the next two weeks. But as we head into this Christmas season, let's keep Thanksgiving on our minds. And remember to be grateful, especially this year when it's been hard to stay in a grateful mindset. Remember to be thankful 
Remember to relive the blessings of God from your past to help remind you that back then you didn't know God was working behind the scenes. Right now, he's doing the same thing. And you'll see it a little more clear in the future. So just hang on. And lastly, before I go, a thing we try to say at the end of every show here on LTN Radio and the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network, remember, because I promise it's true, Jesus loves you, nerd. Thank you.